episode 74 of the Truth Quest podcast, the truth about November 2019. Before we get started, I want to ask you to do me a favor and share the show. If you're on social media and the topics such as Trump derangement syndrome, Edward Snowden, California wildfires, white privilege, impeachment, or negative interest rates comes up, please share the topic-specific TruthQuest episode with your debate partner. Episodes are available on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and Podbean.com. The video version of the podcast are available on YouTube, BitChute, and Brighton. If you are listening to this on the Apple Podcast app, please take a moment and scroll down and give the podcast a five-star rating. Another way you can help grow the show is to throw a small donation my way at the TruthQuest podcast patronage page. All donations will be used to drive awareness of the podcast through Facebook and Twitter advertising. See this episode's show notes page at truthquest.podbean.com for that URL. Finally, please join the conversation on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash truthquestpodcast. So this is my third month in review episode where I look back at the big news events from the previous month. As I've said before, I love watching how some stories come and go so quickly that by the end of the month, hell, the end of the week, you forget they were even news. While at the same time, some stories evolve over the course of the month. It really provides some insight into the news game. So, what happened this month? Beto O'Rourke threw in the towel of his failed bid for the Democratic presidential nomination. Turns out, gun confiscation, stripping religious organizations of their tax-exempt status if they do not embrace the LGBT agenda, and campaigning in Mexico are not that appealing to Democrats. Who knew? Trump switched his state residency from New York to Florida and was, of course, ridiculed for it. Why should we care about this is anyone's guess. Trump's impeachment continued. The month started out with four subpoenaed witnesses refusing to appear before the private House Intelligence Committee hearings. Then Adam Schiff announced that the hearings would be public. Then we found out that the whistleblower's attorney, Mark Zaid, was linked to none other than the likes of John Podesta, the Clintons, and Chuck Schumer. He also founded the anti-Trump nonprofit Whistleblower Aid back in 2017. And he once tweeted regarding Trump, quote, It's very scary. We will get rid of him, and this country is strong enough to survive even him and his supporters. We have to, end quote. Then we find out that Eric Sharamella, the whistleblower whose name we're not supposed to say out loud, visited the Obama White House on numerous occasions. Then we witness the mainstream media tie itself in knots over whether or not we can say Sharamella's name out loud. Then we find out that the impeachment has moved from quid pro quo to bribery and extortion because the Democrats conducted a focus group on the two terms and bribery won out. Apparently, a three-syllable Latin term is too complicated for their voters to comprehend. Then we find out that the whistleblower that started the whole thing will not testify in public hearings. Then we find out that Hunter Biden will not be available to testify in public hearings. Then Adam Schiff brought in two witnesses on the first day of testimony among more huge media hype and buildup, all about bombshell testimony. Then those witnesses bombed. They spent all their time talking about what they heard from someone and how uncouth Trump is and how he does not bend over and take everything the establishment and the intelligent community feeds him. Their central complaint was that Trump does not go through the usual and regular channels to conduct foreign policy. 
They were mad that he did not allow his foreign policy to be undermined by them. When asked by Jim Jordan, a Republican, what impeachable offenses they witnessed, both witnesses remained silent. They refused to answer the question. In addition, both witnesses admitted that they never spoke to Trump and did not hear the phone call that supposedly started the whole impeachment inquiry. The first day of testimony has been dubbed the Schiff Show because it truly was a shit show. Then on day two, former Ukrainian ambassador Marie Yovanovitch, who Trump fired, testified. No chance of sour grapes there. House Intelligence Committee Chairman Adam Schiff showed his ass yet again by preventing Republicans from recognizing Representative Elise Stefanik to ask questions about Hunter Biden and the Ukrainian gas company Borisimo. Yovanovitch was asked how she felt about various Trump and Ukrainian-related issues. She admitted she had never spoken to Trump and did not hear the infamous phone call. She also testified that she was unaware of any bribes or criminal activity involving Trump. Again, nothing concrete. No impeachable offenses were presented. Then Lieutenant Colonel Vindman testified that he did not witness any crimes. He just didn't think Trump had any right to change U.S. policy towards Ukraine or Russia. Then Vindman's boss on the National Security Council staff, Fiona Hill, testified and, to be honest, sounded much like she had stepped out of the 1950s with heated Cold War rhetoric. Ron Paul summarized the hearings by pointing out the most shocking thing to come out of them is confirmation that no matter who is elected president of the United States, the permanent government will not allow a change in the interventionist foreign policy, particularly when it comes to Russia. Then another witness testified and confirmed that the Ukrainians felt no pressure to investigate Biden and admitted to making up parts of Trump's call summary. Then Ambassador to the European Union, Gordon Sutherland, testified, marking the first time someone who actually spoke to the president was under oath. He testified that the president never mentioned any preconditions for foreign aid. In other words, no quid pro quo, no bribery. He testified that the president said he didn't want anything from the Ukrainian president other than for him to do the right thing. But it was his presumption that the president committed a crime. Hmm, we all have presumptions, don't we? When push came to shove over the course of the month, the American people, or at least those that pay attention to the news, recognized that in the House impeachment hearings, Trump was not allowed to call his own witnesses, not allowed to confront the whistleblower whose complaint launched the case, not allowed to challenge hearsay evidence and have it excluded, and was not allowed to probe the motives or possibly illegal behavior of his accusers. Therefore, public interest fell off a cliff. The World Series victors, Washington Nationals, visited Trump at the White House. One member of the team wore a MAGA hat. Others praised Trump for keeping the nation safe. Left-wing media outlets unsurprisingly went batshit crazy. Project Veritas proved the ABC News is willing to run with fake news stories like Russia collusion and Brent Kavanaugh, but will bury the story about one of the most prolific sex criminals in the United States history, Jeffrey Epstein. Why? Well, because the story implicated Bill Clinton. The mainstream media largely ignored that story. Nine U.S. women and children were brutally massacred by Mexican drug cartel members in northern Mexico. Democratic presidential hopeful Elizabeth Warren vowed to reverse the U.S. military's transgender policy and to use taxpayer money to pay for transition-related surgeries. Kanye West's Jesus is King album was not only crowned number one on the charts, but also managed to land every song on Billboard's Hot 100. 
West preached at Joel Osteen's megachurch in Houston. Former New York mayor and billionaire Michael Bloomberg decided to run for Democratic nomination for president. This is the guy who pushed the soda tax and stop and frisk. I wish Mr. I know what's best for you the best of luck. Former Massachusetts Governor Deval Patrick jumped into the fray for the Democratic nomination for president. He had to cancel one of his first campaign events because only two people showed up. With seconds left on the clock, in a game where his team led by two touchdowns, Cleveland Browns defensive end Miles Garrett, one of the best defensive players in the league, ripped the helmet off of Pittsburgh Steeler quarterback Mason Rudolph, swung the helmet, and hit Rudolph in the head. Garrett was suspended without pay indefinitely. The NFL set up a personal workout for Colin Kaepernick. When will this guy ride off into the sunset and realize his 15 minutes of fame has run out? Jeffrey Epstein's apparent suicide came under renewed scrutiny. Two of his prison guards were charged with falsifying records, and an acclaimed forensic expert claimed that he was indeed murdered. On International Men's Day, the ACLU tweeted, quote, Men who get their periods are men. Men who get pregnant and give birth are men. Trans and non-binary men belong, end quote. I'm sorry, but I can't come up with anything snarky to say about that. Its absurdity stands on its own. The Democrats held their fifth presidential debate. It was largely vanilla and very boring other than the fact that Biden continued to stutter and stammer. I almost feel sorry for the guy. I guess as a human being, I do feel sorry for him. But as a lifelong corrupt D.C. establishment swamp rat, I have disdain for anyone like him who have essentially sold out the country and the Constitution that they swore to protect and defend all of it for power, control, and financial gain. He's pretty despicable, just like the rest of them. Israel's Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu was indicted on bribery, fraud, and breach of trust charges. President Trump signed a two-year, $2.7 trillion budget agreement. Defense programs received a 3% increase, non-defense programs a 4% increase, proving yet again that the federal government's spending will never be decreased. The data collection provisions of the Patriot Act were extended by Congress and the President. The charade was best described by Congressman Thomas Massey, who said, quote, Congress will vote to extend warrantless data collection provisions of the Patriot Act by hiding this language on page 25 of the continuing resolution that temporarily funds the government. To sneak this through, Congress will first vote to suspend the rule who, which otherwise gives us and the people 72 hours to consider a bill, end quote. He then added, quote, the scam here is that Democrats are alleging abuse of presidential power while simultaneously reauthorizing warrantless power to spy on citizens that no president should have, end quote. Check out episode 72, The Truth About Edward Snowden, for some background on the Patriot Act. Looks like global warming and climate change are out. What's in, you ask? Global meltdown, climate collapse. Apparently, the general public wasn't buying what the climate alarmists were selling, so they decided to do what all sellers do when their product isn't moving. Rebrand. Please join the conversation on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash truthquestpodcast. 